Welcome to the Simplify Jesus podcast. We're your hosts, Matt Gunter and Bill Allen, and together we are breaking barriers through communication. Welcome back, everybody, to Simplify Jesus, where we are breaking barriers through communication. Hope y'all had a fantastic Valentine's Day and enjoyed our previous Valentine's Day episode once again. We just got too busy trying to make our wives happy. We didn't have time to do, <laughs> to That's do right. a new one. <laughs> happy wife, happy life, right? That's right. So, uh, no, we, we hope y'all enjoyed that. Now, we came off of, we're still in Judges, for one, um, but we came off from the start of the era of Judges in Israel after Joshua passed away. Talking about all of that, we focused on the story of Gideon, who was pretty insecure when God called him. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. A lot. I can empathize with that. But despite those insecurities, he followed God anyway. And with only 300 men, he drove out the Midianites in an improbable fashion, delivering Israel from them. Going down from, what was it, 10,000 down to 4,000, yeah. down to 300 men and still yeah. destroying them? Yeah, crazy. Just crazy. I mean, had an army and he, he didn't get to keep the whole army going after him, but it only, worked out. He only kept the best of the best. That's right. That's right. So... Today, we're going to look at one of the, I, I would think probably one of the more well-known mm-hmm. heroes of the Bible, if you will. Yeah. I, I use the air quotes there because <laughs> uh, he's also pretty questionable at times. Mm-hmm. I was actually reading through this this morning. This just happens to be where I'm at in my, mm-hmm. in my reading. And I've done studies on him in the past. Uh, you know, I still, still don't understand a lot of it. So I'm hoping today's conversation will clear some of it up. Yeah. Samson's a fun guy to talk about for a lot of reasons and we'll 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 get into his story but kind of connecting the dots between where we left off last week and where we're uh before we get into Samson if you look at Judges uh 9 through 12 you see this continuing cycle that we talked about last time essentially Israel disobeys God God allows them to be oppressed by their enemies they cry out to God God delivers them and they're at peace and they get comfortable which leads to Israel disobeying again, which then God allows them to be oppressed and so on and so forth. You would think they'd learn. Yeah. You know, you would think we would learn. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I wasn't going to go there. Um, Don't call me out like that. <laughs> just, just me. I'm only talking about me. It's, it's funny. So in, we do a, a leadership Bible study at work every other Monday. And in the one that we just did, the focus was on excellence and, you know, always putting our best foot forward and how we apply that as Christian men and in the workplace and all that. And this same cycle goes all the way through the Old Testament mm-hmm. um, because we were the passage we looked at was out of Malachi, which is a hundred years after the exile and all that stuff. Like it doesn't end there; it never ends. It it hasn't ended yet, so we're we're still going through that cycle. <laughs> you know, and I'm as I'm reading through, I'm having some revelations. I guess how to apply the Bible. You know, I've I've read it, and. In complete transparency, I've never read it all the way through, and I'm working on that this year. I'm mm-hmm. hoping to be able to keep up with what we're working on through the mm-hmm. podcast yeah. and be able to keep reading ahead as we go. But uh, it seems like every time I read it, I get some kind of new look, new way to kind of receive it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just telling Emily the other day, when we when we look at the Bible, we think about the way it applies to us, right? Yeah. But if we look at the time the Bible was written, it's literally an account of people's lives as they were living it. Yeah. And how they served God or didn't serve God 
or how they ran away from God mm-hmm. or all of these different different ways that these people's relationships with God mm-hmm. played out. And our lives are much different than their lives. Yeah. But these are reminders of how we should live our lives in trying to build a relationship with God. Not doing the things that they did, mm-hmm. doing some things they did better, <laughs> or just doing some of the things they did. Yeah. And, and I'm getting away from looking at the Bible and reading it and thinking, okay, what can I get out of it this week? Mm-hmm. Or what can I get out of it this morning? And I'm getting more into a, a mindset of, I'm just trying to get to know God better. Yeah. Which is, um, I think, something that our pastor has talked about several mm-hmm. times recently. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can't go to the Bible and just try to get something out of it. Mm-hmm. We have to go to the Bible and and figure out what a solid relationship with God looks like. Yeah. The yeah. other stuff, the wars, things like that. I'm not in a war. You're not in a war. <laughs> right. You know, that, that doesn't necessarily apply to us. Yeah. It could one day, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't apply to us right now. Yeah. So why would we look at that and try to say, okay, what am I supposed to do today with this passage? <laughs> right. Because we're not in a war. We're not in the same situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I think as we go through this, what I just said will make more sense. But um, <laughs> that's just kind of how my brain is working with that right now. Yeah, and, and it's a good point. And, and kind of coming back to what this podcast is all about and our current study through the Bible, the reason we're doing it is exactly that. We want to bring the Bible to life. We want to talk about what it actually is in history. Because sometimes we look at the Bible as a collection of stories, like we would Aesop's fables or mm-hmm. nursery rhymes or something like that. And you know, so we say, okay, well, what's the moral of the story here, right? And and sometimes we look at it that way rather than saying, okay, what does God have for me today out of this? What can I learn about God? What can I learn about my relationship with God out of this? And that, and that completely changes your perspective when you're reading it. And, and I'm not saying that I'm perfect in that um, and doing that. There are days when reading the Bible is a checklist. And I'm like, all right, cool. I read about numbers and, and counting people again. That's great, you know, but... <laughs> When you have that mindset of, hey, God's got something for me today to grow my relationship with him and to, you know, become more like him and know more about him. That That's what it's really all about. That's why we have what we have. And so it's cool when we can plug in what we see in there in our lives. And that's that's exactly I mean, that's what we're trying to do. Right. We're trying to we're trying to bring this to life so that we can connect through it. Right. Uh, connect. We got through it. So, you know, funny story along with that, talking about treating it like that and what can I get out of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, your brother loaned me a book, one of Andrew Peterson's books. Mm. And it's, I mean, it's a really good read. I'm about three quarters of the way through it now. But when I started reading it, I'm so used to reading business books and, or the Bible and, you know, things that I'm like, okay, yeah. what, what nuggets can I pull out of this? Right. I don't read fiction. Just, mm-hmm. I don't read just for fun. Yeah. And I couldn't understand how to process what I was reading. Hmm. Because, there wasn't anything to really take out of it. it was, right. It's it, it's basically a memoir that he wrote. Yeah. And as I got further into it, I'm like, okay, this is just a peaceful read. And I love some of the stuff that he's he's sprinkling in there. And it makes me reflect on some things and, and mm-hmm. reminds me of some things. And But I just didn't know how to read it. I, yeah. I, I didn't know how to process as I was reading it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so good. It's so good. So... With that mindset in mind, putting that hat on, diving into the story here, we've 
kind of tie him back into Gideon, he had 70 sons. Uh, that's a bunch of kids. I don't know how you support 70 sons, but he did. Uh, so I don't know after, how you keep from killing 68 of them. <laughs> <laughs> how do they all survive? Uh, Two's enough for me. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a man of patience. But uh, after Gideon's death, uh, one of his kids, Abimelech, decided that he wanted to be the sole leader of the people. So um, Gideon, the way he rallied the troops around him, I think people probably just kind of assumed that one of his kids was going to be the next heir apparent type. And so Abimelech took the, took the charge on that. But here's the thing. He convinced people to pay him to become their leader and said, you know, if you just pay me to take charge, then you don't have to worry about all 70 of these guys trying to run the show, which kind of makes sense. Except what happened next, because he used that money to hire an army to go kill all of his brothers. <laughs> so, you know, it doesn't make sense to pay him to become a leader. You know, the whole, what's the phrase? Uh, too many chiefs, yeah. not enough Indians. So like many, that kind of mindset. Many, too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, exactly. Um, you get too many leaders trying to lead the people and it gets all muddied and stuff. But I don't think this is exactly what they had in mind. <laughs> Killing everybody off. So, one of the brothers escaped. His name was Jotham. And Jotham called it out. Long story short, the people figured it out. And while Abimelech led the people for three years, uh, eventually he and his army were defeated. So share that story just to say there's, you, you can see that cycle repeating itself of, you know, the leaders coming and going uh, in good and righteous behavior and not. So there's a couple other judges after that, Tola and Jair, who reigned for a combined 45 years. So you've got Jephthah that comes in and reigns for a little while. And then Ibsen and Elon and Abdon, they get a little footnote for another 25 years. And so basically you have a whole bunch of judges between Gideon and Samson. Um, and then we get to Judges 13, where we jump into the life of Samson. And so leading up to this, again, that's, that same cycle is repeating the cycle we see in our lives. Israel was struggling with here. You mentioned those those judges in between mm. Gideon and, and Samson briefly. But Jephthah has a very interesting story and, mm -hmm. and, and did very well for a time. Mm -hmm. Go back and read Jephthah's story because he did well and then made some stupid decisions that took him down. Again, like you said, that just goes to prove that whole cycle in and out, in and out, in and out. And his stupid decisions hurt him more than anybody. Yeah. So, yeah, go read that. It's it's very interesting. It's depressing. Uh, but mm -hmm. Trust me, it's depressing. Yeah. His wanting to um, keep his promises mm -hmm. was very much on level with Abraham. Yeah. Trusting in God. Yeah. To do what he wanted. That's something really interesting as we talk about how this story repeats itself. Mm-hmm. Is you you see these men these men of faith you know and Jephthah is a guy that's really interesting in the series he gets a just a little snippet of I think in one chapter I think it's Judges eleven that's all about Jephthah but because of his faith he makes it into what we know of as the Hall of Faith in Hebrews eleven and so you know for a guy that doesn't really get much of a story he for him to make it in is shows you just how big of a deal that was for him to do what he did. So really interesting story. But they all fall eventually. It, but they all fall eventually. And, and I'll encourage you, as you read that, and this is, this is always good with Bible stuff, but to dive into some commentary and stuff like that, because there, there are things with 
Now, with his story, with every story, that's like, oh, what is that? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just a good little tidbit in general. Go dive into some some commentaries, get some other uh, some some opinions and stuff out there. Um, well, for those that don't know, Matt, where would be some good places to find some commentary? So there is a plethora of stuff online. Got to be careful with what you read, of course. But there, there is a lot. The website I use a lot is uh, called BibleGateway.com. Mm-hmm. Um, completely free. You can go look up scripture there. It's got different versions. Uh, it's got some footnotes and commentary and stuff there. Bible Hub is pretty good too, I think. Bible Hub is another good one. There's a software called Logos that has a lot of resources. I haven't used that one as much, but I know it's real popular as well. And then me personally, I've got some hard copy commentaries um, that I like to use. One of them's just a straight, you know, commentary, kind of a verse by verse commentary uh, that Tony Evans put out. And then the other one is a keyword study Bible that, that goes into the Greek and Hebrew. And so all of those resources, um, there are some good free ones out there. I would caution to gut check it. Uh, mo- mm-hmm. Most of the times the bad ones show themselves pretty quick. Yeah. Um, well, and, and if all else fails, uh, I don't think it has as much commentary. But the um, the version app yeah. is a really good Bible app yeah. um, with a lot of plans. Uh, mm-hmm. It's got some commentary. Uh, mm-hmm. You can search out anything. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. And I just thought of one more, the Bible Project. Mm, um, yes, the Bible Project a, is really good. They've got a ton of free resources, free classes. Like um, one of the things they're doing now is seminary level classes for free that are self-paced. You do, do them at your own pace and stuff. But the content is... Uh, seminary level stuff so really really good interesting stuff and you can you can trust the source you can trust the guys who are putting it out there it's it's good stuff so as you're you know there again as you're going through these stories of the judges and when we're going through some of this different stuff highly encourage you to dig into some of that and to get into the background and and dig into those stories what it meant to the people who wrote it who read it back then and all that yeah so yeah good stuff well we should get into some Samson stuff now. Uh, we should. We've uh, <laughs> we've we've been we've been bouncing around it. Let's get into Samson. So in Judges thirteen, Israel falls back into this cycle and they're falling away from God. And so God handed them over to one of their probably longest term enemies, uh, the Philistines, and they were under the Philistines' rule for forty years. But as usual, God hadn't walked away. God was trying to get their attention back on him but he had a plan um he he hadn't walked away from him he had their deliverance planned and we see that in judges 13 4 through 5 he's talking to a guy named manoah's wife and he uh he said now please be careful not to drink wine or beer or to eat anything unclean for indeed you will conceive and give birth to a son you must never cut his hair because the boy will be a nazarite to god from birth and he will begin to save israel from the power of the philistines now hold on He'll be a Nazarite to God. Is this, are they at Nazareth? So, or what does Nazarite mean? So a Nazarite is somebody who is dedicated to the service of the Lord. So if you go back to Exodus Leviticus, you have the Levites, which was a whole tribe that was dedicated to service to God. But a Nazarite was somebody who I believe was not of Levite lineage, but was dedicated. Their life was dedicated to service Hmm. um, to God. So they had some weird things. They they couldn't drink alcohol at all, and in this case, uh, couldn't cut his hair as part of the Nazarite vow. And so, um, kind of interesting. But that was it was a group that was set apart specifically for that. So coincidence that Jesus was born in Bethlehem and is considered from Nazareth. Jesus from Nazareth, right? So 
It is interesting. There's one of the prophecies that talks about the Messiah being a Nazarite, um, I believe. I'll dig into that. So, I, because I don't think there's a there's a direct connection there between Nazarite and Nazareth, um, because I think Nazareth were Nazarenes. Oh, um, okay. But it, it comes from the same root, right? It, and so, is it all a coincidence? No. No Never way. a coincidence. <laughs> Absolutely not. Pretty cool. Pretty cool that, that God is, uh, God's working in this way. So, Manoah's wife got this message. She went to Manoah, told him about all these things that she had been told by the angel. And so naturally, want a little more clarification on what was going on here. And so God sent the angel back to kind of talk them through what all was going on here. Uh, they offered a burnt offering to God, during which point the angel was taken up into heaven. And then shortly after this, she conceived and gave birth to Samson and followed in line exactly what the angel had told her to do, staying away from alcohol, not cutting his hair. And Samson comes on to the scene. One of the things I love about about us doing this together and and reading the same story is that we can both get the two different things out of mm. out of something as we all do, right? Yeah. It speaks to us in different ways. When I read that, I actually read this part this morning, and one of the key things that stuck out to me was that Manoah had realized when the angel was taken up that the angel was actually God, mm. and not just an angel like. Yeah. Michael or any other ones that I can't think of their name right now. <laughs> Gabriel or Gabriel. Thank you. Yeah. So I, that is really what stuck out hmm. to me when I read that. Um, but somebody else, you might read that and see it differently. or, or Yeah. Um, and it depends too on perhaps what version you're reading as to how much detail gets sprinkled in there. So yeah, uh, yeah, that's just really interesting. Yeah. I love it. You never know what you're going to get out of it. Hmm. So as Samson's growing up, he fell for a Philistine woman, which is kind of strange for an Israelite. But this Philistine woman was in Timnah and uh, his parents, you know, they, they didn't understand, you know, why do you have to fall for somebody who is our enemy? Um, that doesn't make sense. I mean, it's creating a little bit of a Romeo and Juliet situation here, right? <laughs> What's side story? <laughs> side story. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Why, why couldn't you fall for an Israelite? There's lots of lovely Israelite girls around here, right? But God had other plans, as usual, through this. And so uh, his parents agreed to go down and to meet the girl and meet the girl's family. But on their way down there, uh, a lion jumps out at them. And, you know, I just, I'm trying to imagine this. You're, you know, taking my parents down to go meet this girl that I really like. And the lion jumps out. It's just hard to fathom in the Texas Hill Country. But, um... <laughs> But Judges 14.6 says the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on him and he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. Hold on. I'm again, I'm going to interrupt you all through this. This is going to be like a two hour episode, y'all. <laughs> Can you tear apart a young goat? In, no. <laughs> That's what I was trying to, like when I saw that, like he tore apart the lion. Great. Like he would have a young goat. What is I, that? I can't tear apart a young goat. <laughs> no. Makes it sound like it's an ever, normal everything. I mean, I, I, if I cook it, <laughs> I can tear it apart. But <laughs> Yeah. Not a, yeah, just more evidence that Samson was a little different than we are. Uh, <laughs> uh, apparently, he could tear apart a young goat. Apparently. And um, lions. Okay. Yeah. So, after, after some time had gone by, after this, after he tears up the lion... He's going back down that same road, and he's like, oh, I want to go see my spoils, go see what what happened with this lion carcass, and sure enough, it was still there. But now, 
not only was it there, but there was a swarm of bees that I guess had created a hive and they were making honey inside of it. And so Samson being uh, a prideful guy, and we're going to see this a lot in his story, he decides to use this as a riddle with the Philistines. And so he said, if you can figure out the riddle of, of what I saw today or however he phrased it, if you can figure it out in seven days time, that he would give each of the 30 Philistines he was talking to linen garments and changes of clothes. If they didn't get it right, he got one each from them. So he got 30 sets. And so the riddle, Judges 14, 14, he said to them, out of the eater came something to eat and out of the strong came something sweet. And so being, you know, outside of the story, we see what he's talking about, right? There's a lion carcass that's the eater and there's bees that are made honey inside of it. So it's something sweet, right? After three days, these Philistines had still not figured it out, understandably, because it's completely random. And so the 30 men go to his wife, this Philistine woman, and said, Hey, you don't go get this information for us. We're taking out your family. You're burning at the stake. Not going to end well for you. And so she went, and initially he didn't give in. But using the Bible's words, after three days of nagging him about it, he finally caved. You're so diplomatic. Yeah, so diplomatic. Uh, he finally caved. He finally caved. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lay on the nagging part. Uh, but <laughs> so he finally caved. He told her about it, and so she went and told the thirty men. And of course, they got the riddle right on day seven. So what does he do? He's got to deliver on this promise now, right? He went to a different Philistine city, killed thirty of their men, got their clothes, and gave them to the these thirty Philistines. I mean, just. The guy's ridiculous. His his pride comes through. He's got this crazy strength. You know, it's interesting to think of him as a Nazarite dedicated to service to the Lord and and um, as the judge at this point and all that because you know his his actions really don't sound like it. Just a little side well, note there. Well, and to top it off, you know, let's go back to when he's walking down and he sees the lion with the honey. Yeah. He he reaches his hand down and gets a handful of honey to eat it. <laughs> Who knows how long this animal's been dead? It's gotta be rank. Right. And the honey looked good, apparently. Now, I did a Bible study on this years ago. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, I don't remember a lot of it, but I remember this. One of the major things about that is that Samson was to not drink alcohol, mm-hmm. right? Not even eat grapes. Yeah. To not cut his hair. He had all of these lists of things that he was to not do because he was a servant of God. One of those things in that culture was to not touch dead things. Yeah. So he's already messed up there. Yeah. Because, and obviously if you kill something and you're going to cook it, you're going to, you're going to have to touch it. Right. But this is a carcass that's been sitting there for what, a month probably. Uh, right. Um, for, for the bees to have enough time to get in there and make a, a ton of honey for him to just be able to scoop his hand in. Right. Um, that's, that's the difference in that. I feel like in looking at this, mm-hmm. he's doing good, right? Everything's, everything's going pretty well. And he makes that one mistake. He yeah. Knows he's not supposed to touch a dead animal. Yeah. And now he's having to go kill thirty people. Right. To get right. close to keep his promise. And it just goes downhill from there. Right. It just it just spirals, which I mean, again, circling back and 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 not to not to belabor the point, but how often have we done this to ourselves, mm-hmm. right? We make one mistake and, well, now I've got to cover that up by making another mistake and cover that up by making another mistake, right? You grow up learning to not lie right to be honest about things and because every time you lie you've got to cover it up with another lie and you've got to get really good at remembering what all you've lied about yeah. so, you know it's it's the same thing it's exactly what he's dealing with here it's yeah and he's samson he is 
super strong. He is set apart for God. Yeah. But he still feels the need for his pride to make things worse with yeah. all of this. Yeah. And so after all of this happens, he goes back to visit his wife to make amends. He, he wants to make things right. And he gets there and her dad wouldn't let Samson in the house. And she goes, okay, well, that's a little weird, right? They're married. Well, her dad had given her away to one of Samson's men, one of his military guys, because her dad was convinced that Samson wasn't coming back. He, he hated her. He was done with her for giving up the riddle. So that spiral continuing, Samson's ticked off about this now. He's so mad that he took 300 foxes, tied their tails together with a torch between them, set the torch on fire, and set them loose in the grain fields of Philistia. I mean, and it destroyed everything. And I'm, you know, here again, I'm trying to picture this in my head. And I just, that's incredible. That's crazy. Who would have even thought about that? Samson. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Only Samson. Here again, just spiraling out of control at this point. The Philistines are not happy. And so first they they killed his wife and they killed her father for creating this whole situation. Samson's even more mad. And so he killed all the people that were involved in killing them. I mean, it just, it's, it's really gotten out of control at this point. And so the Philistines, in response to Samson, come and they attack the tribe of Judah. And so they... They told him, look, this is all because of Samson. He did this. You, you get him under control, we'll leave you alone sort of thing, right? Well, the, the people of Judah went to Samson and said, hey, we're going to send you over their way because we don't want them attacking us. So the people of Judah, they go talk to Samson. They're like, hey, we're going to deliver you, so they'll leave us alone. You know, And keep in mind, the Philistines are still in charge of the land, and so it, it's kind of this like hey we've got to keep the overlords happy so we're going to send you off their way right so they did they tied him up they delivered him to the philistines but when he was in custody the power of god came on him and the ropes just fell off they like burned off of his wrist right and so and at this point out of frustration again i'm sure he takes the jawbone of a donkey and kills a thousand philistine men with it I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. And and with the jawbone of a donkey, right? Not a real weapon. Not, you know, nothing. He just, just takes him out. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, a jawbone of a donkey, if it was just the jawbone, not too giant, you know, not too, it's not like it's the whole skull or something. Right. It must have been just the first thing you saw lying around, <laughs> which, I mean, kind of tells you where they were hanging out because I haven't looked around and seen a jawbone of a donkey or really yeah. anything. Uh, and I, and we're out in the country, you know, got to go searching for that stuff. So, yeah, uh, yeah, this story is just, I, I don't even know. I mean, I certainly believe it. It's in the Bible, but it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. So after all this love lost and, you know, paid for and all that stuff, Samson meets another woman named Delilah and he fell in love with her. Dun, dun, so, dun. <laughs> so the Philistines wanted to use this to their advantage and so they persuaded her um said hey get him to fess up where all this strength comes from right this we keep getting beat up by this guy um see if you can figure out where it comes from and so he goes through a series of lies right she comes to him and says hey how where does your strength come from and he keeps telling her you know different things that definitely don't matter right the first time he says if they'll tie me up with seven bowstrings well he broke through those if they'll use only new ropes well he broke right on through those said even if you weave seven braids of my hair into the fabric on a loom then my strength will dissipate right and i won't 
So they tried it and didn't work out, right? So, first of all, didn't she get him drunk to get all these answers? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Got, got him drunk. He's telling her. Oh, but wait, there's more. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so she tries all of them. And, and this is the crazy thing, right? He keeps falling for it. It's like the pride inside him. It's like, hey, I'm going to get him again. Because she yeah. keeps doing it. The Philistines are nearby. And every time, of course, his power is still with him. Nothing's wrong, right? And he wins the battle. And so finally, in Judges 16, 16, he caves in. He finally tells her, this is where my strength comes from. He says, his hair has never been cut. And that's where this power that God has given him, it comes from. And so she uses that against him. She shaves off his seven braids in his sleep. And the Philistines finally seized him. Absolute love or complete stupidity. (laughs) I'm thinking... As strong as he was, I don't think Samson was the smartest uh, smartest guy out there. <laughs> he, he may have been more in the meathead category. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's it's funny to me because you, you see this happen, and you can see it coming from a mile away reading the story. Like, oh, no, he's going to give it up. This is not going to end well. And, and just in the moment, he couldn't handle it, right? He couldn't He couldn't see it for what it was. So he's been handed over to the Philistines now. They actually took him. They gouged his eyes out. They forced him to grind grain for them in the prison. And he he was their servant. And they they made a mockery of him. And in fact, so much so that they um, basically put him on display. They were making sacrifices to a god they worshipped, Dagon. And uh, they brought him into the temple to you know kind of be on the stage on display while they were doing their sacrifices. And... So he asked one of the servants, he said, hey, put me where I can feel the pillars here in this temple. And so in that moment, he's been completely humbled, lost all of his strength, lost everything that that he had in his back pocket. But we see a moment of his true inner strength. He prays to God. He asked for his strength to come back one more time so that he can destroy the Philistines. Um, And with all of his mind in that moment, he pushes on the pillars that he's been set up against, and the temple comes crashing down, killing him and all the Philistines in it. And at that point, you kind of see the the deliverance of the Israelites finally come to fruition through this one little act of faith at the very end. So he made all these mistakes, and it seems like it's like, you know, the, the one day he eats the honey out of the lion, mm-hmm. and the next day he's getting his eyes gouged out. And I don't <laughs> think that's the way it all worked out. Right. You know, we're ta- probably talking, I don't know, probably years. I, yeah, I would say it's probably years. Yeah. yeah, but we're talking mistake, probably had some good days, good months, whatever. Mm-hmm. Pride kicks in, mistake. More things happen to him. He needs to retaliate. Then they need to retaliate. And it just becomes this big, long cycle of, of bad after bad. And, you know, I mean, I, I've been there, not to this level, but my <laughs> past life, if you will, making mistake after mistake and trying to fix it or cover it up or yeah. whatever that looks like. And thankfully Jesus got a hold of me. Yeah. But you know, Samson was literally born to be a servant of God. Yeah. In reading this, I've always wondered, did he ha- still have that faith in God to where he says, okay, I got to make this right. And he kills himself and everybody. Hmm. Or was it still pride? And I'm tired of these people torturing me. Hmm. I'm just going to take them all out. And that's, I don't think that's something that gets answered. 
But I think if we just get to a point where we can follow what God wants for us to begin with mm-hmm. and stay on that path, we're all going to screw up. Oh, happens. yeah. We do. Even I do. Matt, I'm going to speak mm-hmm. for you. You do. <laughs> I do. I've seen it. No, um, <laughs> not really. <laughs> I kid. But I can speak for myself. I know I do for sure. But every day we got to start over. That's right. And try to do better next time. Yeah. And, and you know, I, th- I think the the key to it and moving into how the story points to Jesus, I think the key to the change that happens there is when he prays to God. Because all throughout this process, when he's fallen for a couple of different women and he's given these stories out and he's relying on his own strength, his own macho, right? He's It's all about Samson. It's, it's when he's spiraling out of control and he ends up in the pit as low as you can go, you know, literally can't see anymore, has no strength left, has nothing. And then that moment he says, okay, I'm done. I can't do it on my own. God come in and deliver me out of this and, and not even deliver me, but give me my strength one last time. Right. And so the root of that, whether it be, like you said, out of pride of saying, no, these guys are not going to get the last laugh. Or if it was truly out of humility of saying, I just can't, I can't do it anymore. I'm giving up, right? Whatever that looks like, his response was, I'm going to go to God because he's the one who can make mm-hmm. it happen. And and we see that in our lives as well. Pride led to his downfall. But when he went to God in that moment, you know, God gave him his strength. Uh, it says that his hair started to grow back and that he he had his strength back. And so when we look at our lives, First uh, John one nine is is one that I'm I'm sure we've quoted a lot in the past, but it's such a powerful reminder. It says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." And if we will get real with God about where we're at and what we're dealing with and where we're struggling, whether that's with a sin issue or it's an emotional issue or what, whatever it is that's that we're dealing with inside of us. If we'll go to God and take God and say, God, I know I, I have messed up, but here it is. Here's where I'm at. And I'm going to turn away from that. God's love is going to pour out and he's going to meet us where we're at. He's going to show us that grace, uh, giving us what we, the good things we don't deserve. He's going to show us mercy and not giving us the bad things that we do. Right. And he's going to cleanse us from that and help us to move forward. And on the flip side of that, I can't help but think of, of Jesus in the garden. You know, uh, Samson obviously isn't Jesus. But you said um, he cried out to God and God delivered him. Yeah. Jesus did the same thing. In the garden, he said, "If, if not my will, but your, yours. Yeah. Talking to God. Um, and then up on the cross, you know, he, he, still, he didn't want to be there. Yeah. But... He could have gotten out at any point. Mm-hmm. He could have, as it said a lot of, he could have called down a legion of angels to take him up and, and deliver him from it. But he continued with God's plan. Yeah. And right before he died, said it is finished. So it's yeah. the complete opposite way of being delivered. Yeah. But it was still crying out to God and being delivered to God. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the the common thread that we see from Genesis through revelation is when we try to do it on our own, when we try to, you know, uh, power our way through things, it doesn't end well, but it's when we humble ourselves, when we say, okay, despite my many failings, I know I'm messed up, but I know God is perfect and he loves me anyway. 
I'm going to lean on him and rely on him. That's when change happens. That's when we get back on track. That's what it's all about. And, you know, and, and that's, that's what, um, I mean, that's why we do the podcast. That's what salvation is all about, right? That's why our faith is in Christ because we've seen it time and again, um, in, in our own lives. And it's just so important, you know, and especially you look at the craziness of the world around us these days and, uh, all the different things going on. That's, it's easy to get caught up in all of that and forget about, hold on, me and Jesus. That's that's what I need to be focused on. It's it's easy to forget about that and to focus on everything else. When we come back to center and we say, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to let my pride get in the way. That's, that's when God can really move. That's right. Uh, I've been praying a lot lately that I don't do anything out of selfish ambition. Mm-hmm. I do the things that God wants. And I don't do the things that God doesn't want. <laughs> right. And it's clearly, 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 clearly spelled out in Scripture what God doesn't want. You know, and whatever addictions or anything else that you might have, it's hard. I know. Been there, done that. Mm-hmm. We're always going to have those temptations. You know, I quit smoking 10 years ago. Hmm. I still want a cigarette from time to time. Yeah. It's going to happen. But not going back to that lifestyle is mm-hmm. and, and and following what god wants because that god doesn't want us to be addicted to anything because being addicted to something is an idol yeah i would much rather follow what god wants than what i want so think about that that's that's been something that i've been really trying to wrap my head around lately when it comes to just the way i live my life mm-hmm. uh, on even the very small things uh, and i and i still have it you know what i mean full full disclosure anger Pride, all that stuff is is those are issues I still have, and I and I struggle with those, and those are sins. Those are those are things that God doesn't want us to have. Thanksgiving is is over. Christmas is over, but I still struggle with gluttony. Man, I was doing good before Thanksgiving <laughs> came along. <laughs> Got to get back. But anyway, that's, right. that's another story. So, <laughs> but still, uh, in all seriousness, still something I need to get hold of because. You know, we're supposed to treat our bodies like temples, right? We got to take care of ourselves. Yeah. I got to do a better job with that. And and I think a a lot of us do. So Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, so that being said, we're going to move on to our other favorite segments. What's going on elsewhere in the world? All right. So this all takes place roughly right around 1100 BC. And so kind of going into our, the Asian area. During this time frame, the Chao or Zhao dynasty in China begins. And so a couple of interesting little factoids about this dynasty in China. This seems to be when the idea that the emperor or the king or whoever was over the nation of China, and it could be other nations as well, was a divinely appointed position. They called it the mandate from heaven, but it's the idea that whoever is in charge of the nation is divinely appointed. And so where this it gets muddied is when people say, oh, well, they're divinely appointed, then they are God. You you see some of that in kind of the ancient Chinese culture. And, and I think even to some degree, not China specifically, but in other uh, countries, you kind of see that mindset of, oh, well, the leader can do no wrong. They're, they're, they're basically God. You see that here in this particular dynasty. The other interesting thing is the concept of feudalism, which feudalism is the system where basically you have a king or, or a leader over everybody. And then under him, there are nobles who own all the land. 
but there's very few of them. It's a very high status position. And then under them, you have peasants who work the land and that sort of system. I associated that with medieval Europe, but actually it was prominent in this era of Chinese culture. So this is uh, very likely where that concept also began. You know, I find that interesting because in this era where we talked about judges starting, mm-hmm. it's interesting because Abimelech was paid to be a ruler over the people in the area. Yeah. We don't have many rulers yet before this. Mm-mm. So I wonder what kind of triggered that that phase of everybody needs a ruler. Somebody right. needs to be a ruler um, because it happened in Israel, Philistine, or in that area. Yeah. And in China, mm-hmm. what, several thousand miles away? Yeah, yeah. But they don't know each other. You know, and something else that's interesting about that is is you look at... So, well, I'm going to get real weird here for a minute. But the fact that God appointed leaders, mm-hmm. right? So, Moses, Joshua, and then he called these judges up. You could apply that principle. You could say, oh, well, that's a mandate from heaven. This is your mm-hmm. divinely appointed leader. How often were those guys maybe put on pedestals they shouldn't have been? Going back to Abimelech, his heart was obviously not in the right place. He wanted to be a leader, which, you know, the person who wants it the most is probably the guy who you want to have it the least. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, so it's interesting, you know, how that could easily be warped. And I, I think, you know, when you flash forward to when Israel has kings, um, you see a little bit of that issue as well when they're first starting to explore that with Saul. So it's, it's interesting to see how that, that blends into society, you know, how much of that may have come from their days in Egypt, which granted none of these guys were alive in Egypt. So, where does it come from? You, you see that cross-cultural influence coming through. Right. Like they were fine with just Joshua and they were fine with the judges. But then all of a sudden, a guy's like, oh, hold on. I'll be the leader. Yeah. Pick me. You know? Yeah. And so where where does that all of a sudden come out of? Well, I think I think we see it. Other places are doing that. Yeah. Um, other places are saying, oh, pick me. I was picked. You know? And that's and they want to have that that leader. True. So I, yeah. think, I think it's interesting. That is, that is very interesting. You know, and, and, and God does tell us, uh, I don't remember the chapter and verse, but mm-hmm. uh, he does tell us to respect our leaders, respect authority, because yeah. they're put in place by God. Mm-hmm. Whether they're in there to show us what not to do, or <laughs> God wants us down a certain path. God's yeah. going to lead things. And he's going to put leaders in place that are going to do that, whether it's negative for us right now. It could be working on a promised land situation in the future. Because right. Just because we have a, a, you know, not getting political, I'm not saying we do. It doesn't matter if we have a bad or good leader in place right now. Because that's going to take us somewhere where God wants us to be later. Yeah. God works everything out for the good, right? Of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Boom. We found a way to get Romans 8.28 in. We always do. (laughs) (laughs) It's our key verse for this show. That's right. All right. So next week we are going to do something a little different. Y'all don't freak out especially ladies that like this book. Um, But we are going to skip Ruth. Forgive us. We're going to start, uh, we're going to continue on with Samuel and Saul. But don't worry, we're coming back to Ruth. We just want to tie it all together uh, with what's going on after Samuel and Saul. So just stick with us. Uh, Skip Ruth. Move over to Samuel and Saul. So we're going to be in the book of 1 Samuel. Skip Ruth. Go to 1 Samuel if you're trying to, this is the chronological simplify Jesus so just wanted to give you that heads up so with all that being said we're going to see you guys next week with an exciting episode about Samuel 
and salt. So Matt, get us out of here. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns about today's episode, shoot us a note at info at simplifyjesus.com. We would love to hear from you. Just let us know what you think. Be sure to check us out on social media and keep up with the latest from Simplify Jesus. We like to hang out on Facebook and Twitter. Comment, like, share, keep up with all the latest stuff we've got going on there. You can also keep up with the latest at www.simplifyjesus.com. As we roll out new podcast episodes and we've got different things going on, that's where you'll be able to find that. And finally, if you're looking for uh, where to listen to this podcast, let us know if you can't find us. But you can always just ask Alexa. Just say, hey, Alexa, play the Simplify Jesus podcast, and you'll find us there. And with that being said, you guys have a great week.